Welcome to Eyes Wide Open, a podcast aiming a curious eye at what is new in eye care. This podcast is a service provided by Eye Care Business Canada. Please visit their website at www.eyecarebusiness.ca to stay up to date on the latest eye care news and lots of great resources and articles on topics like practice management, marketing, new services, team and leadership, finances, and operations. I am Roxanne Arnell, a retired optometrist turned financial planner, serving my optometric colleagues from coast to coast. I love to help educate people about their finances and keep them up to date on the changes in the Canadian eye care landscape. So let's take a look. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking again with my longtime friend and colleague, Dr. Scott Mundell. Dr. Scott Mundell is a 1983 graduate of the University of Waterloo who began his involvement in organized optometry as a counselor for the Manitoba Association of Optometrists in 1986. Since then, Dr. Mundell has taken active roles in various provincial, national, and international committees. Dr. Mundell has served our optometric community at the highest presidential levels of the Manitoba Association of Optometrists, the Canadian Association of Optometrists, and the World Council of Optometry. When we first spoke with Dr. Mundell in February of 2022, he was an active optometric business owner and clinician in Winnipeg. Today, though happily retired, he continues to focus on what is truly important, his family, including his University of Waterloo classmate wife, Dr. Michelle Georgie, his patients, and the sight of those around the world where he continues to serve as an executive member of the International Agency for the Prevention of Blindness. So let's catch up with Dr. Mundell and see what he's been up to over the last year and learn about the Optometry Giving Sight campaign. Well, welcome back to Eyes Wide Open, Scott. Thank you. So since we last spoke, which was just over a year ago, you've been busy. So tell me, how is retirement going? (laughs) Yeah, I retired in June last year, and I'm getting that question a lot. And my current answer is it was pretty hectic until Christmas. And then in the new year, Mm -hmm. I pretty much have now settled into a pretty good routine. Some other commitments I had had ended. So it's pretty good. Michelle and I were in California for a month visiting our oldest son. And I was just in Florida visiting Susan Cooper a good friend. So I've seemed to have settled into it. Excellent. Excellent. And I also understand that you've recently come back from Atlanta for a coalition on clear vision meeting. Exactly. So one of my roles as the World Council of Optometry delegates to the International Agency Prevention of Blindness is the sitting on that, the Coalition for Clear Vision, which is an initiative by IPB to address the unmet need for refractive error globally. That's now been officially recognized by the United Nations. So Excellent. So we should put the caveat that although you're retired, you are definitely not out of optometry. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it seems I have a hard time leaving it, I guess. So yeah, and I I just feel committed. I've been lucky to have been asked and I've always had the position that when, when I've overstayed my welcome, I expect those to ask me to gracefully move aside. But I, I still think, yeah, I still like it. Uh, it is a reduced role, so that's good as well. I've and I've moved on to this, and it's still an important thing for certainly for the world, but our profession and me personally. So I'm continuing to serve in that role. Yeah, and we could have that whole conversation about the importance of purpose in life, but that's a whole another mm-hmm. whole another topic. 
What we really wanted to focus on today, though, is to get some updates and understanding on optometry giving site. So tell us, what was the reasoning for developing the optometry giving site program? Great question. Optometry Giving Site was established in 2003, so it's now been 20 years officially that it's been in existence, but it was a joint initiative of the World Council of Optometry, the International Agency for the Prevention of Blindness, and the Brian Holden Vision Institute, and it was to address the debilitating problem of vision impairment worldwide. So with the support of the optometric industry, optometry professionals, patients and donors, OGS funds programs to deliver desperately needed vision care, train local eye care professionals, and develop sustainable infrastructure in developing countries. So OGS established an office in in the United States and Canada in 2007, and it's probably the only place now that's as active as it was. It's not been as active globally as it is, but it's still very active here and in the United States, and it continues to operate with the vision of its three founders. Excellent. And what has been your personal involvement? Yeah, so my personal involvement is interesting. I was when I was knew I was going to do this, I, I thought back and I was trying to look at the actual dates, which I don't recall exactly. But I was asked by Scott Brisbane, and he and I have a bit of an inside joke. So I refer to him as Scott the Elder, and he refers <laughs> to me as Scott the Younger. So it's that's our own little joke. But Scott is one of my mentors. He is one of the icons in our field. He had been the chair of Optometry Giving Site Canadian National Committee. And much like I'm starting to now, he was starting to move out of uh, active participation in committees. And he asked me if I would chair the National Committee. So I stepped forward and it was in the early early teens, early to mid-teens, and sat in that position until about 2019 when my activities with the World Council stepped up. It was difficult to do both. So I stepped off that, but I still represent the World Council of Optometry because it's pretty much the only functioning part of the first three that are there. So the IEPB has stepped back, Brian Holden Vision Institute has stepped back. So the World Council is the official guardian, I guess, of optometry giving site, even though it yet the OGS operates uh, under its own mandate. Yeah. It's interesting how time changes some of those affiliations. And great that you brought up Dr. Scott Brisbane. He was a fellow Albertan like myself. Mm -hmm. And then I could also say I was a fellow Manitoban like you. So I'm truly (laughs) aligned with all the greatest Scots. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for that. Yeah, Scott's a a very, very dear friend. And I guess it's an icon in in our profession. Absolutely. So what are some of the key activities that OGS has been doing? Well, OGS... Basically, I'm just going to look at my notes from the last little bit here because it's been extremely active. So for 20 years, uh, OGS has, uh, funding has provided basic eye care services to more than 8 million people and assisted with training of more than 14,000 eye care professionals, established more than 130 vision centers and served people in more than 40 countries. So it's quite significant. We can certainly wow. thank all of the people who are donors. And it supports projects in the developing world, as I said earlier, that range from small to very large. So it supports vision centers, in some cases providing pieces of equipment for vision centers, such as a fundus camera. It helps fund and institutionalized school eye health programs, such as in Liberia, Zambia, and South Africa, to give eye care to as many children as possible. It supports the establishment of optometry schools in places such as Vietnam, Haiti, Eritrea, Kenya, lots. 
So we support these kind of projects all over the place. Probably one of the best examples I'll, I'll give, a sort of a recent example, and then I'll get into the last year of highlights, is Haiti, giving some of its history that eye care professionals were extremely low there and continue to be low, that as of 2020, Haiti had a population of 11 million people with only seven optometrists for the entire country. So it's 0.6 optometrists per million people. So in 2017, this process started where Optometry Giving Sight, together with five other partners, the University of Haiti, one of the hugest participants, the University of Montreal, Bosch, which many people know of, Charity Vision, and the Brian Holden Foundation began the Haiti School of Optometry project with uh, to increase the number of local optometrists. So the school has grown. There are currently over 60 students enrolled in the five-year program. Obviously, there's been tremendous progress, but as we know, there's been a lot of civil unrest in Haiti, and it's made it difficult for advocacy there. But in spite of these difficulties, the school exists. We're training optometrists, and with continued support from donors in the next few years, there will be 50 or more trained optometrists in Haiti providing optometry services in their communities, which is a game changer for the Haitians. As far as in the last year, I have notes on this. So if we look at 2022, sort of a year in review, 20 different projects have been supported through the funding of OGS Canada and OGS uh, USA. Africa, in Kenya, they expanded opening eye screening for Special Olympics athletes. Liberia, institutionalized school eye health training. We have a lot of partners in these countries, which I'll speak to in a minute. Malawi, phase one of a comprehensive response designed to address eye health-related shortfalls. Another in Malawi, purchase funds to transport students to, to provide care. Sierra Leone, increased access to eye care for approximately 5,800 students, their clinical skills. South Africa, benefit children from disadvantaged families in district in KwaZulu-Natal province. Tanzania or Tanzania, as the locals say. The Lake Zone of Rishanali Nasser Outreach Project, funding increased access to affordable and appropriate care. Zambia, school screenings to provide eye health services. Do you want me to keep going or did you want to stop me? <laughs> it is awesome to actually hear about projects because I think oftentimes people donate, but they don't always necessarily understand the impact it's having. And I really appreciate that story about Haiti. And you also tied in Bosch, right? We often think as doctors that we can really only contribute if we go into a mission. But there are other key ways to contribute because obviously it takes dollars to make all these programs available. Are there any special donation opportunities or programs that listeners should be aware of? Yeah, so probably as far as optometry goes, there's a lot of different ways that our profession in Canada can participate in funding OGS. So I'll go over a couple of different ways. One is to fundraise or donate during the World Sight Day Challenge each fall. It's a great way for your staff to work together towards supporting a worthwhile cause. OGS provides materials to display and share on social media. I'll get into my office in a second. You can donate a portion of your glasses or sales. It's a fantastic way to have a charitable presence year-round. You can let your patients know that when they buy a pair of glasses from you, your practice makes a donation to help somebody in need. And then the other one, other than corporate involvement, which they would do as well, is that you can invite patient support. We're using optometry giving site donation box to invite donations and after no charge for adjustments, whichever, 
that a patient would might donate in place of that. And a lot of people sort of say, well, not so much what's in it for me, but why donate? And there's some pretty good research that says, other than the altruistic reasons that you should be a participant, there's a pretty good benefit to the practice. So, you know, I'm maybe not the right person to ask about volunteerism. I grew up in a volunteer family and think that it's both our duty and responsibility to give back to the profession. But for some people who just say, well, you know, what's in it for my practice? There's so many other ways to look at how you can donate. But 92% of people say they have a better image of companies when they support a social or environmental issue. And 87% of consumers will switch their purchase or service location to somebody who supports a cause. So there's, there's tremendous benefit for your practice. And the last one is 42% of consumers in North America will pay more for a service if it goes to a company who's committed to a social cause. So it's the right thing to do. And if you want to look at it from a marketing point of view, it will also benefit your practice. Helping other people is good for them, but it's also good for your practice and your image. I think that we are leaders in our, our regions or areas and sometimes small towns. And I think that you lead by example. Absolutely. And you bring up some good points because Tom Shoes was perhaps one of the biggest examples of look at the impact to a company when they buy one, give one, because quite frankly, they weren't shoes I'd ever wear. <laughs> but all of a sudden you're yeah. looking at them going, maybe I should buy a pair. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right? And as a consumer, I've really been seeking out what's called B-certified companies now, right? Like we are making more purchasing decisions based upon humanitarian and social governance. So I think all those things matter more and more in our, our current world. Mm -hmm. So I've also just finished reading a book called Happy Money, The Science of Happier Spending by Elizabeth Dunn and Michael Norton. And they cite a great deal of research around five principles where our spending can actually make us happier people. And investing in others is one of their key principles to really boost our happiness. So far more than buying the daily cup of coffee. And we will have links with the show notes because both Elizabeth Dunn and Michael Norton have done also TED Talks regarding the whole investing in others piece and what kind of impact it could have on us. So I think it's important to tie back always to not just saying, oh, I gave money to OGS, but what does OGS do? Because that's where that feel-good piece really comes from, I think. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, we could also talk about benefits from a tax perspective of donations. That kind of planning stuff I could do all day long, both in your lifetime and for your estate. Some really good perks there for anybody who needs additional bones before they decide to donate. Are there any other ways that our younger optometrists or even our students can get involved with OGS? Yeah, so one of the other partners that OGS has had is the uh, Chaos Group in Camp Canadian Association of Optometric Students, both at Waterloo and at Montreal. And when I was more actively involved, I saw more of it firsthand. Now I just get it through the notes that come out. But both of those schools were extremely active. They jumped on board and it was really nice to see the friendly competition between the two schools to see who could one up one another and come up with. And as we know, students are, have unbelievable interest in social causes, but also in just the creativity with which students do stuff. It's clever. Uh, technology has been very helpful for them to be able to do this as well. So it's been very helpful for them. And then quickly going back to my office, I'm happy to report my office is one of the most successful because my staff 
jumped on board with this when I was more actively involved as the chair. And they took it and have taken it as their mandate as well. And they're super pumped to do it. And now that my former partners and associates have taken this up and to be able to see the results, the more you can share with, as I just mentioned, some of the the research that goes on and the various provision of care that happens, then you get a direct link to the activity that happens. And the patients who, who donate as well, I'm not in charge of, I wasn't in charge of the social Facebook kind of stuff, but we did as well to make sure they knew where their money went. We would have a an annual, one of the ones was like, get your glasses purchased back basically by donating. And, and the most recent staff, Gwen Ralph, gave her purchase back. So she actually redonated it basically. So it's those kinds of things that, that are just so heartwarming when you see everybody get involved. Yeah, I think that's awesome, right? So, and sharing that feel good piece with the patients, with the non optometry donors, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's super critical. So, before we leave the topic of OGS, was there anything else you wanted to add? The other thing that's important, and, and just to add as far as OGS and just the global vision care, you mentioned uh, the Coalition for Clear Vision, but I think now is the time more than any time ever. When the World Report on Vision came out from the United Nations in 2019, it's the first time that globally the vision care sector, so it's us and ophthalmology and opticians, but all of the other NGOs and providers of care, it's the first time we've been recognized as a separate entity outside of just what we've always been in this non-communicable diseases section. So they have a mandate, one of which is to reduce uh, avoidable blindness from uncorrected refractive error by 40% by 2030. That's significant, number one. And then the WHO, because of that, have now started to set up a mandate to do that. And as a matter of fact, there's a meeting in Geneva, which I'm not attending, the current WCO president, Peter Hendicott, and president-elect Sandra Block will be attending. And that's, they're calling it WHO specs. I think off the top of my head, the specs, but it's basically to set up an agenda to increase the provision of care globally. And then that's where groups like OGS will step on board with their funding to align with projects that are happening globally. The first two projects that the coalition is involved in are in Kenya and India, and it's going to expand beyond that. So I always say that if not now, when? And if not when, like whenever, this is the time. And I urge all of my optometric colleagues to get involved, to donate, and to provide this care globally because it's just too many people when there's 1.2 billion people who don't have care. That's our job. Yeah, and working together, I think sometimes we look at each of these groups as perhaps silos, but really collaborative, working together, and this is awesome. I know I'm looking forward to wearing my new World Sight Day Challenge t-shirt this coming October. (laughs) But just a reminder to everyone, you don't have to wait till October to get involved. Exactly. Mm. So thank you very much for your time today, Scott. Always enjoyable catching up with yeah. you and to see uh, where retirement is taking you. Thanks again. Yeah, thanks so much. And it's always good to see you too, Roxanne. Scott is such an amazing contributor to the world of optometry and vision care everywhere. Reminder that you can give to Optometry Giving Site through their website. The link also appears in the show notes for this episode. As a certified financial planner, I'd be happy to discuss with you how future giving opportunities can be tax efficient and an impactful way for you to leave a legacy. Thanks for listening. Till next time.
I hope you enjoyed this episode of Eyes Wide Open. Please visit the iCare Business Canada webpage at www.icarebusiness.ca for more information and links to today's podcast and those of previous guests. A new section of the website, NextGenOD, provides information specifically for new optometrists and optometry students. You can also follow NextGenOD on Facebook and Instagram. If you are looking for an online optometric community, send an email request to canadianoptometrygroup at gmail.com to join. Here you will get access to a vibrant optometry community for Canadian optometrists. Also a huge thank you to our sponsors of iCare Business Canada for their continuing support, which makes this podcast possible. I am Roxanne Arnell. See you next time for another episode of Eyes Wide Open.